I don't know how many of you uh, go look back on your life and reflect sometimes. I do some thing, something called journaling. I don't do it all the time, but uh, journaling, if, you don't, if you've never done it, basically just taking a, you don't have anything fancy. I just take a cheap notebook. And, uh, and uh, what I do is I write down sometimes each day what uh, I've learned from God and His Word and then have write down prayer requests and reflections and things like that. So, you know, I don't know. And, and it's good from time to time. I find myself going back, from, back in my journals from years ago and reflecting, and, and uh, I did that this week as I was preparing this message because uh, something came up in Scripture that reminded me of something, and I wanted to see uh, if my remembrance of what happened years ago was the same as what I wrote down years ago, and because uh, sometimes our memory is, especially as you get older, uh, uh, is not as good as it used to be. Now, some of you are not like that at all. Um, what I remembered is a time in my life uh, many years ago, probably 13, 14 years ago, I've been at Great Oaks for 12 years. It'll be 12 years July 1st. Um, we moved to this area. And um, uh, the couple of years before that, uh, some of you have heard the stories, were a couple of tough years in ministry. I'd been in the previous church for 13 years. I was fin- finished up 13 years there. And the last two years there were, were really tough as we went through some transitional things and, and whatever. And, and, and I found myself sometimes really being kind of bitter and kind of un- feeling unappreciated. Have you ever felt unappreciated for some reason in your life? You feel like nobody cares, you know, that no matter what you do. Uh, you know, you might be in one of those seasons of life where um, your family or your friends or, uh, you're, or at work, there's this culture there of entitlement or this culture of, of ingratitude or expectation or criticism. And, and I know that what I've done, and it's after, this is kind of a confession of sin this morning, and sometimes when I go through these times like that where I feel unappreciated, I've responded sinfully. Uh, I started getting bitter against people, started uh, becoming angry, self-righteous, judgmental, grumbling. Uh, those type of things happened when you feel unappreciated. Uh, my attitude was not very good. And, uh, well, you know, they don't, they don't care why I even try. And so sometimes that happens in life. And that brings us to the text of our scripture today. Uh, and it speaks in a very timely way about appreciation. Um, we're in the book of Ephesians, so if you have your Bible with you, you can turn to that. There's a scripture on your outline. The scripture on your outline is the NIV translation. The scripture I'm going to show on the screen is going to be the NLT translation. I just wanted to compare and contrast a little bit with you and, uh, and use that today. But I think this whole thing of appreciation uh, is a timely word from God today to us because I believe we live in a world that has become more rude and critical and, um, and also demanding than ever. And for those of you, and I just want to say this for all of us, maybe I'm just, I don't know. For those of you who are in the service industries, you serve in restaurants, you serve in places like that, I just want to say we're sorry. Um, I just want to apologize for everybody in general, uh, the way that you're treated, because I know most of my my kids uh, went through years uh, back when they were in college and stuff of serving in restaurants. And Boy, I wouldn't want to do that. People are just so demanding and so rude sometimes. Uh, they act like, you know, I don't know, this, just, just this whole entitlement thing going on. So I apologize in general for everybody, okay? I just want to apologize for you because um, it has to be a horrible job to serve people that have certain attitudes. Because the whole world so often is filled with a lack of appreciation and thankfulness and gratitude. That being said, that being said, Paul's word today for us is important. I don't know where you are in the season. I don't know if you're in a place where you really feel appreciated. Maybe you do. I hope you do. Uh, or a feel, place where you feel very unappreciated, uh, where you're uh, discouraged. And the, the question is, regardless of where you are with that, the question is, what do you do with that? 
What do you do with that? What do you do with these when you're unappreciated or appreciated? What do you do with that? Well, today, what Paul's going to talk to us about in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 15 through the end of the chapter, is, is, is this. And this is kind of the big theme of the last part. And I began to look at it because the very first verse talks about it, is this. You are appreciated. You are appreciated. And who appreciates you is Jesus. He had just finished in the first uh, uh, 14 verses last week we talked about. And if you weren't here, you can go back and listen to that. The first 14 verses talked about these seven blessings that God gives us. That Jesus, that God has given to us these blessings. And these are things that he gives to us because he appreciates our efforts to serve him and to honor him and to, and to do the things that he wants us to do. Uh, in in uh, Ephesians 1, it talks about blessed to the, uh, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he talks about all the things that he appreciates that God has done. Paul talks about all the things that he appreciates that God has done for us. And then he transitions... In verse 15, he transitions saying that it's not only the, the Christian who, uh, uh, um, not only is the one Christian one who appreciates Jesus, but you never thought we thought about this, and I hadn't thought about this, but Jesus appreciates you as well. He appreciates you as well. Uh, and, and this is how he says it in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. He says, ever since, Paul says this, he says, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not, not stopped thanking God for you. And you're going like, well, what does it have to do with me? Well, it's this. The Bible, it might be Paul's voice, but it's God, uh, Paul's voice, but it's God's words. We believe that the Bible is God's word. It's inspired, it's used, God used people, but he inspired people to write these words. And the attitude that Paul has is the attitude that God is speaking to all of his people, including God is speaking to all his people, including us 2,000 years later. He's saying, you know, I'm thankful for your faithful service. I'm thankful for who you are. Every time I think about you, he says, I've not stopped thanking God for you. Now, how many of you today, how many of you today, it would really change the course of your whole day, your whole life, if you simply knew that God paid attention to your life and he was thankful for your obedience and your generosity and your service and your sacrifice and that the Lord Jesus himself generally appreciated you? Uh, would that make a difference? I believe it would. But so often, so often what happens is we fall into the sinful trap that I fall into sometimes, and it's affected my attitude, my joy, and my service. And it's my sin. I would want it to be appreciated by other people, and I look to people for my appreciation. Now, this is good because, you know, I feel appreciated generally here at Great Oaks. In ministry, I've not always felt appreciated in different places. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking the last time I had a leadership meeting a couple of months ago, it was an encouraging meeting, man. I, I cannot tell you, and it's been most of the time, it's been that, most of the time, it's been that way at Great Oaks over the last 12 years. That the leadership, as they come together and we meet together, they've been encouraging and supportive, not just saying, you know, if when I say something dumb, they'll say, Bill, you're dumb. But, you know, the thing is, is, is they, they, they're honest, but they're encouraging in the same way. But that's not always been true. And so, so often when it's not been true, and I've served and I've given and I've done all the things that I think that God wants me to do, and I feel like, well, they don't care. You know, who cares? Who cares? Why try hard? Well, Paul here is telling us that God is thankful for us, that God appreciates the obedience, the generosity, and the faithfulness of his people. And so it's not, it's, it's not that you shouldn't have appreciation. I'm not saying that. But it's best that the appreciation comes from the Lord Jesus because he's the only one that will consistently do it. You will always be disappointed from time to time in people if you look to them for all your appreciation 
If you look to them for all your, your encouragement along the way. See, God, you know, one of the things so often we, and, and I've spoken about this before, you know, and we think about it in regard to our sin because God does see, God is omniscient. He's, he knows all things, okay? Right? He knows what you're thinking right now. You're going, oh no. You know, uh, he knows what you're thinking right now. He knows what you're doing. He, so we think about that and we're going like, oh, that's horrible because it means he knows all the bad thoughts I have. But you know all, what also it means? It also means that he knows everything good that you've done. Your generosity. He sees all those different things. He sees it when you don't give in to temptation. He sees it when, when, you, when you're generous. He sees it uh, when you're not just lazy and you're serving, you're doing all the things. He sees the people over, over at, at, uh, of all the miserable jobs to be doing this morning. You know, this, this morning we got the Lee family is over. I think it's the Lee family. I'm not really sure who it is. But I think they're over there serving this morning, picking up trash after Old Settlers Days. Okay. You know, a bunch of you did that this week. You know, you picked up trash. I mean, what a miserable thing. And I, no, let me tell you, if I had to mention it this now, nobody would know. Nobody would know. But yes, somebody would know. God would know. And he appreciates the, the efforts when we do those things. And so this is, what, this is what this letter to me says today. Now imagine that you got this letter from Paul, this letter to the Ephesians. It came to you, and you received it from Paul today. And, and this is what he says. He said, I want to thank you for two things, your love for Jesus and your love for God's people, the church. That's what he says here. And, and so what he, and, and he, and he does this, and, and we've talked about this before. Uh, what it means here when he's saying, I'll thank you for your love for people, your love here means that you're praying for people, you're giving, you're serving, you're caring. You inconvenience yourself by going to a small group because sometimes it's inconvenient. Guys that are in my small group, 6.30 a.m. Saturday mornings, some people think we're crazy, but you know, it's, for us it works, you know. But it's inconvenient, you know, it's inconvenient because it means, you know, that they have to get up here and get up and take a shower. We, we encourage them to take showers before they come to a small group. And because we're in a small room together, those type of things is inconvenient. Uh, or if you're working with kids, and I mean, how many of you have tried, and, and it's the other thing, we have this culture too where so often, in a Christian context, we have this culture so often where you try to show appreciation to somebody and they'll start getting all theological on you. Well, you know, just give God the praise and the glory for it, you know, and go like, I'm good. Just, just be quiet. Just say thank you. Just say thank you. So often we have this idea that we're not supposed to show, we can show appreciation, but we're not supposed to take appreciation or, or accept appreciation so often in our life. And so we have to get over that in a real sense because it really does affect us when we feel unappreciated. It affects us in so many ways. And sometimes what can happen is our desire to give all the glory to God. We don't allow others to appreciate us. I love the fact that Paul starts off this letter, and we talked about this last week, by talking about how much he appreciates God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And then he transitions, in a sense, to talk about how much he appreciates God's faithful people who love the Lord Jesus and love the church. The, the fact is this. You and I need a little bit of encouragement. You need encouragement. I need encouragement. To say we don't is foolish because we all need encouragement. And if you're looking for it for people, it may never come. It may never come, or at least to the, to the amount that you wish it would come. But if you're looking for it from the Lord Jesus, he appreciates you. It means a lot. And that's what Paul's saying today. That's what we're going to look at and the implications of that in our life, how this works out in our life. Because what we've been talking about here, and we started this last week in a series, this series this summer is about Ephesians. And, it, and the subtitle is Finding Your Identity in Jesus Christ. That so often what we did is our identity and how we respond. And when you have an identity, it's, it's not only who you are, but it, it has a lot to do with your values and how you respond to life. 
That's what your identity does. So we're going to talk about why it's important here to understand that Jesus appreciates us. God appreciates us in a real sense. What happens then if, it, if, if you know that you're appreciated by Jesus, it changes your life and your reaction to circumstances. Let me give you three or four things today. I may not cover, some of you like to fill in blanks, and I gave you blanks, you know, the last couple of weeks. And some of you might be frustrated because I may not have time to finish all this today, okay? I'll just be honest with you. I'm going to finish at least the first three, and then the last two I'll just give you fill in the blanks and you figure it out yourself if I don't have time, okay? So, because um, the last two kind of are like things I see from the life of Paul, the first three are things directly from Scripture. The first thing that happens is when we understand that God appreciates us, number one is this. Appreciated people exchange grumbling for praying. Appreciated people exchange grumbling for praying. <laughs> um, how many of you, let's, let's just, don't raise your hands, okay? Don't raise your hands. Just, just think about it, okay? Because this could be embarrassing. Um, how many of you, when you feel unappreciated or underappreciated, you're prone toward grumbling? Is it just me or is this caught on with other people? I, I don't know, you know, that's my tendency that when I feel underappreciated or not unappreciated, I grumble. Uh, sometimes you don't grumble simply to them, sometimes you grumble about them. I mean, you're going like, I can't believe that, you know, my boss did this or, or my wife did this or my husband, you know, I, you know counseling sometimes is, is listening to people grumble about the other person, you know. And that's what happens. Well, see, see, what do you do then when you, when you have this tendency toward, toward grumbling, when you feel unappreciated? Well, the answer is, Paul says, it's praying. He says it's praying. See, grumbling is when you talk about people to other people. Praying is when you talk to Jesus about people. There's a huge difference here. And prayer is always better than grumbling. That's exactly what Paul says in Ephesians 1.16. He says, I have not st stopped thanking God for you. He says, and doing what? I pray for you constantly. Paul is praying for people. Now, he could be grumbling because think of this. This is called, okay, this is something that in the future we'll look at. I thought about a series in the future, a four-week series. There's four prayers in Scripture, two in Ephesians, one in Philippians, and I'm trying to think where the other one is. They're, all, they're called Paul's prison prayers, okay? Paul's prison prayers. You know why they're called Paul's prison prayers? This is really hard. He was in prison. That's why. And so when he wrote these, he wrote the book of Ephesians, Philippians, and some others, when he was in prison, and so they're called Paul's prison prayers. And the interesting thing about Paul's prison prayers, well, we'll talk about them more later, is that you got to understand the context of where he's writing this, okay? Paul, here he's, here he's in prison. He's writing this letter to people. He could be grumbling, right? If you were in prison, would you be grumbling? Probably. I would be. His life is very hard at this point. He has a lot to grumble about. He's in prison. And you know what he's in prison for? And he wasn't stealing money from the IRS. He wasn't doing it. No, he was in prison because he was preaching the gospel. He was preaching the gospel. That's why he was in prison. And Paul would be easy for easy to Paul to grumble and go, man, I love Jesus and I, and I go to jail. What kind of deal is that? You know, I mean, how many of us, isn't that a legitimate reason to grumble? But he's not grumbling, he's praying. He knows that Jesus appreciates its hard work and his generosity and his service and his sacrifice. So rather than grumbling about how hard life is, you know what he does is he understands that Jesus appreciates his life and his service and his sacrifice, all these things. And as a result, he's not grumbling, he's praying, he's praying. And he's praying for others. He's not even praying for himself. You know, I, my tendency would be if I was going to pray when I was in prison, would be to pray for me. Lord, help me to get out of prison. 
No, that's not what he's praying. In none of the prison prayers you'll look at, none of the prison prayers does Paul focus his attention on himself. He pro- focuses his attention pretty much on this whole thing of praying for other people. He's not self-absorbed because that appreciation is, is, is met by the Lord Jesus. That allows him to simply have affection for other people in a real sense. So if you're new to Christianity and you're showing up here at Great Oaks today, let me explain something to you. Prayer is when we talk to God. Scripture generally is how God talks to us. But prayer is how we talk to God. It can be in several ways. It can be audible. We could pray out loud to God. Sometimes we do it in service. Sometimes you pray out loud. It can be silent. God knows everything you have, every thought you have in your head. So you can simply, this morning before I got up here, I didn't pray out loud, but I was praying that God would, 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 you know, just take these words today and expand them and help you to understand some things, but I'll not only understand some things, but it would help you to live life in a way that would honor God. I mean, I was praying that silently, but God heard those. He understood that this morning. Prayer can take other forms. It can be sometimes journaling, like I was uh, sharing earlier. Journaling, writing down, it's a form of prayer. Another form of prayer, believe it or not, you didn't think about this a while ago, but singing can be a form of prayer. When you're singing, when you're t- uh, singing is not about singing to the people around you. Now, if you, care, if, you, if you have a great voice, people probably appreciate you more. But uh, if you don't, you know, the thing is, don't worry about them anyway because it's not about them. You're, you're singing to an audience of one. It's God. He's our audience, not everybody else out here. And so when you're singing, singing sometimes can be communicating with God in prayer as well, talking to God as well as you say the words. That's why the words are so important. The book of Psalms, for instance, is a book of worship, but it's also a book of prayer. Because singing to the Lord is just another way of praying to the Lord. And here's what's interesting here in Paul's life. is Paul's, Paul's life at this point when he writes this is very hard. He's hated, he's criticized, he's opposed, he's physically beat, he's separated from the church, his people. The church is people, okay? It's not just a building, it's the people. He's sitting in jail, and what he's not doing, though, it's interesting, is grumbling. He's not grumbling. Now, here's what I don't want to do today. I don't want to look at you in a religious way and say, stop grumbling! And you need to look at me and probably say, pastor, stop yelling. We both have problems, don't we? And we need to get over it. The thing is, and you'd be right, the key to overcoming your grumbling is to know that the Lord Jesus suffered for you, that the Lord Jesus loves you, that the Lord, and this is what he talked about in the first 14 verses, that the Lord Jesus is generous toward you and that in any way when you are obedient to him, he sees, he knows, he appreciates, and he's thankful for you. That allows you to stop grumbling because you know that, that you're loved, you're cared for, and you're appreciated, and we all need that. We all need that. So the first thing, the first thing we do uh, when we understand that, that God appreciates us uh, and he appreciates that we make efforts, uh, faithful efforts, even though they're clumsy sometimes and sometimes it doesn't always work, is so what we must do, first of all, is we appreciated people exchange grumbling for praying. Now the second thing that appreciated people do is appreciated people exchange competing for celebrating. Competing for celebrating. (laughs) You know the interesting thing about us in life, if you don't feel appreciated, one of the things you automatically do is you start competing. Let me tell you how that works. You're thinking in your brain, they got that promotion. They got that raise. They got the 4-0. They got the scholarship. They got the trophy. They got the attaboy or the employee of the month. And somebody, you know, what it is, somebody said thank you to them. And so what our response is generally, since we didn't get it, 
Whatever it is, you're like, oh man, I want that. I'm going to outperform them so I can get it. And so we begin to get this competitive mode in our life. The result is unhealthy competition sets in so often in life when we, when we don't feel, when we feel unappreciated or underappreciated. It sets up this scenario for, for competition instead of celebrating. There's a healthy competition in the Bible because the Bible tells us, let us spur one another on uh, uh, to good love and good deeds. That's, that's good. Let's spur one another on to do, do the right things. But this is the, that's a good kind of competition. But the unhealthy type of competition is when you see somebody else getting things that you would like to have and you just simply compete with them. This is where I'm feeling unappreciated. I'm competing with you because I want to be appreciated in the way that you are. That's where sibling rivalries come in. That's where spouses can become jealous of one another. That's where co-workers can turn on one another. And the answer, again, is, is, is to know that we're appreciated by the Lord Jesus. And Paul says it this way in verses 17 through 20 of Ephesians 1. This is what Paul says he does in, in his life. And it's once again in prison. And it could be grumbling, it's not. He says, I pray for you constantly, and we've already read that, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. Uh, he has called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of his God's power for, for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that God uh, that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. First of all, he says this. He basically says, he starts with, Dear Christian, always appreciate who Jesus is and what he's done. That's the first 14 verses. And secondly, he says he prays for them two things. One, he prays that they would learn more about Jesus. He kind of says it this way. He says, I pray that Jesus Christ would give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. He says, I'm praying that you would learn more about Jesus. Let me say this. It doesn't matter how long you're a Christian. You've always got something to learn. I mean, this week in studying Ephesians again, and I've been studying for the last several weeks, I've learned so much. God has, has helped me to see things that I never saw before. And I've been, I've been a Christian since I was 14 years old. Yeah, and I went to seminary, and I studied the Bible, and I've been studying it for all these years. And I still learn things all the time. There's never a time when you simply arrived in regard to that. So Paul, one of the things that Paul prays for the people here, instead of, instead of competing with them, he's praying for them. He's celebrating what God can do in their life. He said, I hope that you, can, that you can learn some things about Jesus. It's absolutely true that you can always learn something more. Now let me submit this to you, and, and I say this in love. If you're a person who's still just got a, you're still quoting the same Bible verses you learned 20 years ago uh, when you became a Christian, uh, and you've been quoting them for years, that's not bad, but that's not enough. The purpose of, uh, the purpose of, the goal is not just to have your questions answered and have your systematic theology completed, but to have your relationship with Jesus always growing. That's the purpose of learning God's Word. It's about the relationship. It's not about the knowledge. See, it's interesting here that when Paul prays for these people that they would learn more about Jesus, where are the people residing that he's writing to? It's, it's called the letter to the what? Ephesians. You know anything about the city of Ephesus? If you don't, it's all right. You don't have to. But the city of Ephesus, you know who had been, been there, at least spent a season of their life there or a period of time there to teach in Ephesus? There were some people 
Paul, John, Luke, and Timothy. They had all resided for periods of time in Ephesus and taught there. Can you think of a better teaching team? You know? I mean, when they got up to teach, it was like, would you turn to the book of the Bible that I wrote? <laughs> you know, really. And you're probably thinking, well, this is going to be pretty good. But I think they'll be spot on regarding theology since they wrote it. You know, God inspired them to write this. And he's saying, okay, these people, the people he's talking to here, he's saying like, you've had this great teachers. You've had all these great teachers in your, in, in your life, but there's more. I hope that God teaches you more. There's so much more to learn about Jesus. That was the first thing he, he prayed for. See, he wasn't competing with them. He was celebrating what God was doing in their life. And second thing he prays for is not only that they would have more knowledge about Jesus, but they'd have a deeper experience of Jesus. A deeper experience of Jesus. That his power would be something that they would experience in their life. The Holy Spirit has always got things he wants to teach us. Um, and their experience, he wants us to send the Holy Spirit to give you power to learn from and to walk through. And, and let me say to you, this is a, uh, sometimes for some of you all worried because your, your thought is that when you become a Christian and when you accept Christ, that Jesus ascended back into heaven. Now you're on your own. You know, you, you got Jesus when you're on, and it's all about heaven. It's all about there. But Jesus didn't say that. He said this. He says, I won't leave you as orphans. I'll send you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit uh, was going to lead you, and he's going to guide you, and he's going to convict you, and he's going to instruct you. And that, that's what Paul is echoing here in the words of Jesus. He said, I'm praying that you would learn more about Jesus and that you experience more of his power through the Holy Spirit so that your life would continually change to be more like his. See, Paul celebrated what was going on in people's lives. He, he understood in a real sense, he understood in a real sense that he was, he was loved and he was appreciated by God. And because of that, he wasn't in competition with people. You know, I pray for this all the time for us and for you uh, and, and, and other leaders of our church do that as well, that you would always learn something new about Jesus, not just, not every day, not just when you come to church on Sundays, that you would be in God's word, that you would learn something new about Jesus. But not only would you learn some knowledge, but you would learn something about God's power and how he lives it out in your life as he guides you. And as I shared, you know, I've, I've known the Lord Jesus since I was 14 years of age. And there's always something to learn. There's always, some, always ways to change. There's, and his power is always available to help us to be what God wants us to be. That's what Paul's saying here. You don't have to grumble. You can pray. You don't have to compete. You can celebrate. You don't have to become jealous of what other people are doing. You can rejoice at God's grace in their life and rejoice at God's grace in my life. And the third thing that, that happens in our lives when we, uh, when we understand we're appreciated by God is this. Appreciated people exchange bitterness for thankfulness. They exchange bitterness for thankfulness. Now, if you've ever felt unappreciated, and I guess this is 100% uh, certainty, probably all of us sometime, if you allow it to linger and stay there, you'll become bitter. You'll become bitter, guaranteed. You ever got in a car uh, that was out of alignment? You know what that means? You let go of the steering wheel, it goes, it goes this way or it goes that way. That's extreme unalignment. But, you know, a little bit. It just veers off course. That will happen. Our soul is like that. I can go to bitterness easily if I get hurt. It's like being, it's, it's, it just draws me in that direction. 
if I feel taken advantage of, if I feel unappreciated, I will be drawn and you will be drawn to bitterness. And what's the answer? Again, the answer is not, well, don't just get bitter. It's like, it's like you know, kind of like, a, don't be short. I mean, how's that work? You know, what, what do you do with that? This is what Paul says in Ephesians 1, verses 21 through 23. He says, now, now he is far above, talking about Jesus, now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put, him all, has put all things under the authority of Christ, and he has made him head over all the things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. See, what happens when we become uh, under, feel unappreciated is you become bitter. You think, you know, how come they're healthy and I'm sick? How come they're married and I'm single? How come they got a promotion and I got termination? How come they didn't even do anything uh, and people really love them? And I try so hard, nobody loves me. How come that happens so often? And what, G, what he says here, what Paul's saying here is that Jesus has given himself as a gift. And Jesus right now, he says, is ruling and reigning over all things. And people are going to come and go, he says. People are going to come and go. But the people that we're praising today are not the people that will be being praised tomorrow. That everybody's name eventually comes to an end, but the name of Jesus continues forever. He's saying he's the one eternal thing you can go to the bank with. He's saying this, he's saying that when you think it's about your name, you will get better. When you focus on yourself, you will get better. But when you realize, when you realize it's about Jesus' name, you will get thankful. See, Paul, in the midst of prison here, he, he could have been, had every reason to be bitter. Every reason. But what was he focused on? Him? You know, what was Paul's name at this point in time? I mean, Paul was probably, according to culture, he, 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 he's an he's a inmate. Okay? Was that a good name? Uh, he, was, he was looked down upon by the, by the leaders of the, of the, uh, of the, uh, of the culture. He had been everything and now he was nothing. And Paul is simply saying, you know, focusing here, he says, God, Jesus, we live for the name of Jesus, not for our name, not so we can get all the recognition. See, Paul here is thankful for two things. He's thankful for Jesus and he's thankful for what else? The church, he says. We've said this many times. What, is the, what is the two things, what's the primary thing that we're to be here about at Great Oaks? Loving God. That's the other one. Come on, you can do this. Loving people. Thank you. Okay. What is the church? People. That's what he's talking about here. It's God's people. He's saying, he's, he's saying here he's thankful for Jesus in the church, not because Jesus is perfect and the church is not, but he's still thankful anyway. He says, hey, hey, here's Jesus. He's in charge and he loves us and he appreciates us and he sees everything we do, everything, uh, every dollar we give, every effort we make. And he looks at us and he says, I thank God for you all the time continually in my prayers. Well, thank you, Lord Jesus. That's, that's incredible. That's enough to keep us going if we focus our attention on that. But then he says this. He talks about the church. He says, if you and I would be concerned primarily, Paul says, about the name of Jesus and the well-being of the church, his people, it would safeguard our hearts from bitterness. Are people honoring Jesus? Then how is our church? It takes your eyes off of you. Now, what's amazing is, can you imagine how this letter would be different if Paul was bitter? Can you imagine how, what this letter would sound like if Paul was bitter? 
Well, in the world, he's a man who's got a shameful name. He's opposed by the government. He's hated by many religious people. Want to kill him as they did the Lord Jesus. He's in jail. I mean, do you know what? You know, my name isn't all that great to start with, but can you imagine what my name would be like if I was in prison? You know, it, yeah. You wouldn't think the same of me right now, would you? I know you're thinking about that, you know? See, God, Paul's gone from freedom to imprisonment. He's gone from a position in the culture where he had dual citizenship. He was, he was uh, able to speak multiple languages. He was highly educated. He was highly honored, possibly a member of Sanhedrin, which is kind of a religious court. I mean, this is a very successful man. Now he's broke, he's single, he's hated, and he's in prison. How many of you are shocked his heart didn't go toward bitterness? I mean, it, it would be natural to think that way. But it didn't. And here's why. Going back to what we said already. Because it was just, Paul saw it as just another opportunity, being in the position he was in, was just another opportunity to make much of Jesus and to help the church. And he says it throughout these prison, prison prayers. So he didn't even look at his own circumstance in a negative light. He simply thought, hey, God has placed me, allowed me to be in this position so that I can make much of him and I can help his church. Because it actually caused, by Paul being in prison, it actually helped the church to expand. We're not going to all that today, but it did. Read the history of that. So, we really want you to love Jesus and love the church. And it's not just so we can use you to grow a bigger church. That's not the reason that we want you to be a part of the church and love the church. It's so, the, the reason is this. It's, a, it's in part so that we can guard your heart against bitterness. Just like Paul's heart was guarded against bitterness. That you would give your life to what Jesus gave his life to. The well-being of his people. That you stop thinking it's all about your name and your fame. And it would be about his name and his fame. And when you do that, when you focus your attention upon that, it, it removes you from the bitterness trap. And I know for some of you that bitterness may be uh, the default place of your soul. You go there very easily. Because some people are wired that way. It just clouds and darkens all of our life and it causes you to mistrust and distrust people. And it gets you into a position where you're not really loving people. You're using them to make your name greater. Okay, we got, okay, the last two points. Yeah, I'll go ahead and hit them real quick here, okay? Real quick. Last two points have nothing to do with what Scripture just said, Okay. But in reading scripture and looking at the life of Paul and seeing Paul in the book of Ephesians, there's two other observations I want to make about being appreciation. These are observations, and I don't have scripture directly to support this, but these are things that are importantly important. Now, number one, appreciated people exchange, this is the next one, number four actually. Appreciated people exchange performing for service. Appreciated people perform, uh, um, exchange performing for service. This is amazing in the life of Paul. Two people can do something, and one is doing it with an attitude of performing, and the other is doing it for the, for the attitude of serving, and their motives are entirely different. They can look the same on the outside, but their motives are entirely different. What we see with Paul is not, he's not performing. He doesn't talk about, you know, when Paul talks in his letters, he doesn't talk about, oh, oh, and I hope you enjoy the book of the Bible that I've written for you. You know, I, uh, uh, oh, by the way, I'm in prison for the Lord. That makes me varsity, and you're JV, you know? He doesn't do that. In, in, all, in, all of you, in all of you that have been a part of my ministry, you've been saved, you're welcome. You know, that would be performing, right? That's kind of what we can do sometimes. Please come and visit me. It's lonely. You know, he's not performing. He's not telling us all, all these things he's done. 
people who don't know that they're appreciated, what do they do? They brag, they have to brag all the time about what they've done. They have to exaggerate about what they've done. They need to tell everybody about what they've done. And as I read Paul, I'm like, man, if, if I, you know, let me tell you something. Think about this a minute. If you had done, if you had done some of the stuff that Paul did, would you put that on your wall, on your Facebook page? Man, you know, what would your Facebook page look about like tomorrow? You know, today I converted the city to Jesus Christ. Here are the pictures of the riot. You know? <laughs> I mean, we'd be, we'd, be, we'd be tempted to kind of brag about that kind of stuff. You know, look at what I've done. Look what I've been a part of. You know, we probably wouldn't say it that way. But, I mean, he doesn't do that. He's not performing. He's serving. See, two people can, have, can be very ambitious and very fruitful, and their attitudes can be very different. And I'll say it this way. Knowing God appreciates us allows us to exchange our performance for service. Here's the difference. Performance is done for the sight and approval of others. Service is done knowing that God is watching and approving whether anybody else sees it or not. Performance causes us to be enslaved to the other's opinions, unable to say no, uh, and prone to being overworked. Service frees us to do what God wants. Thereby saying no, no is needed. Performance presses us toward perfectionism where we seek to do everything just right so that others will praise us. Service allows us to do our best knowing that God's appreciation of us is secure regardless of our performance. Performance causes us to focus on the quote-unquote big things and only do what is highly visible or significant. Service allows us to do simple, humble, menial tasks, uh, the little things that the, knowing that the peasant Jewish carpenter we worship equally appreciates them both. Performing is where people are an audience and you want their praise. Serving is where God is the audience. It doesn't matter if people see it or not. Now, some of you who are moms really struggle with this. You do. Especially if you worked in a career before you became, became a mom. Because what happens is you're going like, you know, I had this career, now I became a mom, and now so much of what I'm doing is very simple, and no one's watching, and we don't get any rewards. When I get up at 2.30 a.m. in the morning with a screaming child, no one's there with a the trophy, and we're going, you know, going excited. Here's the party. But somebody does see. It's God. And he appreciates what you do. So if your husband doesn't show the appreciation, whatever, as much as he would like to, don't worry about getting appreciation from people. Get it from God. See, I'm just personally deeply convicted by Paul's own life example. He was just serving. He's always serving. He's in prison. And he's in prison. He's serving the church. Uh, he's always serving. How many of you, if you went to prison, you'd feel like you should get a day off? You know, from serving. You know? Like, you know, I used to really pray for the church, but now I'm in prison, so I'm not going to pray anymore. Not Paul. Paul says it elsewhere. I think it's, you know, in Corinthians, he says in his resume that you've been beaten, shipwrecked, homeless, left for dead so often. He had all these things going on, but he says, I never quit serving God. The second thing I see, and this is the last thing, not the second thing, but the second thing I see that's outside of the scripture, but I see in Paul's life is this. This is the last thing in your outline. Appreciated people exchange boasting for encouraging. 
Appreciated people exchange boasting for encouraging. I, I was thinking about the things, that, uh, I wrote down a couple of things that I do when I feel unappreciated, uh, that I do. This is nothing about you, okay? That I do, only me. Nobody else in the world does this when they when they're, uh, feel un, uh, unappreciated. Number one, I obsess about making known everything that I do. You never do that, right? I mean, I need to keep a list. How much, do you know how much I did, I did I know this week? You know, none of us ever talk about how much we did this week. I had such a rough, how was your week, week Pastor? I was horrible. I mean, I did 32 counseling sessions. Nobody cared. You know, I, uh, I did a wedding, a funeral, all these different things. Nobody cared. You, do, you know, when you feel unappreciated, what you do is you obsess about making known everything that you do. And you put it on Facebook. And nobody cares. Because they don't. But you have to do it anyway because you feel unappreciated. And so you boast. Number two, I exaggerate. You exaggerate. Sometimes when you feel, you feel like, uh, you know, you're not appreciated. You know, have you ever done things and you, people didn't praise you so you told them a, you did a little more hoping that they would, maybe they would kick in with praise. You know, like, well, I, this week I led four people to Christ. Nobody gets responds. Oh, it was six, maybe it was eight. You know, hoping if you get enough that people will finally praise you and say, oh, yeah, they're such a great person. You know. Exaggerated is what people do when they feel unappreciated. What I really appreciate about the example of the Apostle Paul is this. He's not boasting. He's encouraging. When he had every right to be grumbling and all the things going on in his life, because he understood that God appreciated every effort he did, even when it was not great, he encouraged. He's not talking about all the things he's done. He talks about all the things that they've done. You notice that in verse 15? He's talking, not about him. He's talking about all the things, all the remembrances and all the thankfulness he has for the other people. And, and he gives praise and thanks for that. And the result of that is this. Paul had a ministry of encouragement that has now lasted for over 2,000 years. I mean, that's how powerful the gift of encouragement is. That's how powerful that act of appreciation is. I can actually extend itself. It can actually extend itself for a few thousand years. How many things can do that? I want you to be, to be very encouraged, and I want you to appreciate who Jesus is and what he's done, and I want you to know who, that Lord Jesus appreciates you. That's what Paul said, and that's what we understand now even today. And if you have served, Jesus says thank you. And if you have given, Jesus says thank you. And if you have prayed, Jesus says thank you. If you're growing, Jesus says thank you. And he wants to set you free from the performance trap. And let you enjoy the serving like he did. No one got more done than Jesus. But it was not performance, it was service. He said, I've come not to what? Perform, but to serve. To give my life a ransom for many. So let me ask this question as we close, and then we're going to have a prayer, and then we'll go home. What do you, who do you need to thank? Who do you need to thank? Who do you need to say, I appreciate you? Yeah, folks, I mean, our main appreciation comes from the Lord. But people need encouragement. I want to tell you that when we criticize one another, you know what it does? It makes it, that, that's a withdrawal. But when we appreciate one another, we make deposits.
in people's lives. Would you, would you covenant with me to follow in the example of Paul and make lots of deposits through appreciation? Say, thank you, thank you, thank you. I really appreciate that. And then as we need to correct or criticize, we can do so, but we got to understand we're making a withdrawal when we do that. Let us, uh, let us, like the Apostle Paul, be people who have far more deposits than we do withdrawals. Who do you need to thank? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your incredible love and your goodness to us. I pray that you would just allow us this morning to, uh, more than anything, to understand, number one, that we are appreciated by Jesus Christ. For those of us who call ourselves followers, he appreciates that we have accepted him and, 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 and have come into our life and say, God, I want you to be the Lord, the Savior, the, the, the leader, the CEO, whatever, we, whatever term it helps us to visualize of our lives. And that means, God, that we strive more than anything in our life imperfectly to follow you, to trust in you, to put our faith in you. And in Scripture, we see what Paul says, that God appreciates that. He loves us. And he proved it in so many ways. But in the first 14 verses of this book of Ephesians chapter 1, it talks about the blessings that we received from God. But now Paul talks about, man, this incredible, this incredible thing, how God appreciates us and how we should appreciate and encourage one another as well. So God, just guide us now this day. As we go from this place this week, that we not become so busy and so involved in trying to impress other people and get involved in this performance trap by competing with other people as well. That we don't spend the time to make deposits into people's lives by, by showing appreciation and by encouraging them. Guide us this morning, God, in all we do and say that we would dishonor and please you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope you guys.